Businesses tend to focus on revenue, profits, and getting loyal customers. But how about healthy workplace culture? You're listening to How I Turned the Corner, where Kendra Prospero leads eye-opening conversations that most business leaders avoid. The right way to address employee challenges. Listen to real-life stories of workplace struggles, giving you valuable advice on what must be done to make every employee truly satisfied and fulfilled in their job. This is for leaders who want to create great company cultures and for employees who want to do something to put an end to suffering at work in the most practical ways possible. Here's your host, Kendra. Probably the hardest time that I've had as an entrepreneur was when I made a bunch of money, I had a big windfall, and I decided to quickly scale my team and then realized that I actually couldn't sustain it because I didn't have the consistent revenue. And it's when I really was, my eyes were open to that. It is a constant battle to stay in balance with cash, products, and having enough of the right people. And our guest today is no stranger to this either, as he is right now in the throes of scaling. Anthony Halsh is the CEO and founder of Rocksbox. It's a really innovative manufacturing and construction company. They give a second cooler life to shipping containers. They repurpose them into unexpected things like the beer can, which is a portable bar for festivals, possibly repurpose them into office space or retail space. You got to go to their website, which is rocksboxcontainers.com. That's R-O-X-B-O-X containers.com and just check out what they're doing. But today we're not going to talk so much about that. We're going to actually talk about how they recently went from seven employees to 25 and maybe even more in the course of about two months. A little scary for me, remembering my experience. It's terrifying and it's also an incredibly exciting place to be, but no easy feat. And it comes with tons of stress, including how to manage all those new people. What's the structure of the organization? How do we keep product rolling and keep people there and make sure everybody knows what they need to do? And most importantly, how to turn the corner as a CEO and not just throw yourself into so much work that you burn out. Anthony Halsh, welcome to how I turned the corner. So tell us, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, we've had a good year. And, and yeah, it's been a lot of rapid growth, especially the last you know, 12, 18 months have been a lot of growth. We expanded from 5,000 square foot facility to a 35,000 square foot facility um, in about six months. And like you said, yeah, I went from seven to 25 and about a month and a half to three months, depending on when you start the clock type of thing. Right. Yeah, it's great. You know, definitely not with its challenges, but it's definitely a good time. Good. That's great. Well, so tell us, like, what have been some of the most surprising things for you about scaling this team? So obviously, when you bring in a lot of different people that don't know each other into an organization, you know, you're going to have people feeling each other out in the job of, in and of itself, all while you have tribal knowledge from the people that have helped start the business. And then you bring in a lot of new people that have hopefully you know more experience than where you've seen in the past and can continue to contribute to the overall goals of the company. And with that, the difficulty, I guess, is it comes into making sure all those people mesh and that they mesh with the, the goals of the company and ultimately the culture. So I would say the experience of doing all that was eye-opening to say the least. And it really, you know, running a team of less than 10 people is not easy, but it's a lot different than when you get over the 12, 15 people as your role as the CEO changes from pretty much every single person that's in the company as a direct report to then having the steps of management or the CEO down to a manager level and then down to some more 
people less senior than that. And so you've got another layer of management in between yourself and, uh, you know, people getting it done. And so that challenge is making sure your managers are, you know, also evoking the culture and, and the moral compass that you're trying to create within the company all while pushing, pushing, pushing to get more stuff out the door. Absolutely. So it's uh, a lot of things that combined there. Yeah, totally. So when you were smaller, when you were in that seven to 10 person culture, what did you have in place to sort of help define the culture? Did you have anything you had already done as a team? Not really like planned out. You know, it was more of, you know, we started, I mean, it was me and uh, two other people really when when we started the company and uh, I founded it, but they were quick supporters coming right on to the team and things like that. And they helped us grow quite a bit. And then as we continued to scale, Help me one more time. Sorry. Can we... Oh yeah. No, just wondering, like, did you have more purposeful, I should have asked it better, but do you have more purposeful oh. things you were doing to sustain your culture when you were Yeah. And honestly, not really, you know, we were a group of people that's creative. We like to have fun and we work our asses off, to be honest. You know, okay. it's one of those things where kind of was a natural culture. I would say that a lot of the people that I hire, you know, have similar personalities to myself and similar drives in terms of work ethic and what they're trying to achieve in their life. You know, a lot of them are younger people. I'm a fairly young person myself. I just turned 30 in July. So a lot of the times I had people that were a couple of years older than me, maybe one or two that was younger than me. But yeah, it wasn't really a structure so much as, you know, you show up and you do the best you can and and we're going to have fun at the end of the day too. I know a lot of people, a lot of companies say that they, you know, the work-life balance, work hard, play hard type of thing, but we actually did that. And it was, uh, going out to events and festivals and things like that. And what's cool about our product is that, you know, we got invited to a lot of those things and a lot of times complimentary tickets and stuff. So we could get our products in there and let our clients use them. So by doing that, you know, we would have the whole team out there on a Saturday or Sunday at whatever it was, a beer festival or a farmer's market or something like that. And we were able to, you know, enjoy each other outside of work as well and kind of you know, celebrate the fruits of our labor a little bit by seeing it in action and, and our clients very happy and the customers using those products very happy. So it's kind of a perpetual circle, if you will, of, of that type of enjoyment that, you know, you show up to work on Monday and you get stuff done during the week and you go have fun on the weekends and it's all, it's all work related, but it doesn't feel like work at that time. Yeah, that's neat. That's really cool. Well, so now that you're at 25-ish or more, what are you noticing now around like the structure that you've maybe needed to put into place to support those 25 people that you didn't plan for or didn't have, of course, when you were seven to 10. Sure. Yeah. And that's definitely a, a big challenge is that honestly, and I think that's where culture slips a little bit too, is that as you're hiring all these people, you have to put in controls and, and management structure so that everyone knows what they're doing and can continue to forward the mission without having to ask questions or know where their place is and, and all that stuff. And I would say it's an ever evolving situation. So when we first went from, you know, I think we had, we slowly scaled up to around 12 and then we really hit it and like doubled our personnel in about a month after that. And that was in uh, like April or May of 21. So just over a year ago is when we really did this. And it was a challenge because we, you know, unfortunately had turnover is when you're hiring that fast, you know, some people aren't going to be a fit. And one of the things that we try to do is, you know, if we can sense it after, you know, the 30 days or whatever, we we do a, a 60 day trial period, essentially. So we don't give out benefits or anything like pay time off until after 60 days, right? So there's a time period where we get to know each other and, and start learning from each other and seeing what skills are and if, if it's a mesh or not. And so what we were really doing was, you know, trying people out, a lot of people, and it was a pretty quick situation that if they didn't fit in, it was, you know, thanks for your time here, but uh, it's not going to work out. So that's a difficult part too, right? You 
as a CEO, you're you're hopeful that everyone that you hire is going to be a 10-year employee and you know add a lot of value to your company. And that's why you hired them in the first place. Right. Uh, but the reality of the situation is that's not the case anymore. You know, and people are looking for other options and and maybe trying out jobs that they've never tried before. And and our company is unique to what we build. It's not repetitive so much as we do a lot of different things. And so you have to be very flexible and even just flexibility within a company can make people uneasy or uncomfortable. And so you have to have people that are, you know, willing to learn on the fly, change on the fly. And those types of people, you know, are, I've come to find out a little few and far between is that a lot of people do like structure more and around here, things can change in a couple minutes, it seems like. So that's definitely a big part of that is the turnover. It hurts, but at the same time, you have to understand that it's part of that growth is that if you want to scale and you're having to hire that many people, Unfortunately, the, the diligence piece is something that we honestly, and I hate saying this, is we didn't have a ton of time for. So, you know, if we had a phone interview and then an in-person interview and we liked them, all right, let's <laughs> let's try this out, you know, and it wasn't right. a three or four interview process. And so with that, you know, we've always maintained the fun culture because of what we do. And so the people that ultimately ended up staying with us and got through that 60-day trial period, they fit in great. And it's that evolution of the culture that kind of just keeps on going and evolving as you grow. So yeah, that's and I find and I we we work with a lot of companies on this too. You can do a faster recruiting process or recruiting put them through a faster experience if you have a process associated with it. We have a very fast process too because but I mean this is of course the work we do. We better eat our own dog food, right? But it can work as long as you but if you put more structure around it it's more you have more success too. So, I'm um, just a thought there. But the other thing is so let's talk about your management structure because I have always been a student of this work and curious about how people structure their organizations. I mean, I've studied pretty in depth, like the Zappos model, which is very, very flat and a very large organization for how flat they are. And then of course you have your, your command and control type organizations that are extremely hierarchical. I find the best balance is kind of a combination of both where you're, you're enabling people to kind of make a lot of decisions on their own, but they're still managed and they still have somebody to kind of help knock down barriers. Where do you find you guys are falling in that sort of those two extremes? No structure whatsoever to too much structure. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I would say we're a hybrid model as well. You know, we actually kind of tried to employ the flatter model earlier on when we were like, I don't know, July, August of last year in that, you know, we had more managers across the board so that they were handling individual parts of the company and, and they were responsible for it. And then it would kind of flow up to me a little bit, but we really only had, you know, three levels with 25 people. So, you know, with the C-level at the top. So we, we've got myself as the CEO and then chief of design and chief growth officer. And then we have our director of operations. And so that's the four managers uh, or managing partners, if you will, of the company. And then below that, we've got, you know, production people, finance, and then project estimation and marketing. And and then we have people below them. So it's really only a three-tier company right now. And so, you know, it is still fairly flat. And I mean, I'm I'm still out there managing projects and getting stuff done when we really need it. And then, you know, getting my hands dirty and that kind of stuff. So when it comes down to it, you know, everyone will pick up a wrench or a screwdriver or anything like that to get stuff done. And so we really, when it comes time to do something, it's all hands on deck. And I mean, we call them rocks boxers. We'll work 24 hour shifts just straight through and, and to get a project out the door. You know, we have tight deadlines. And so, so with some of our clients, it's a trade show or something and you just, you can't miss it. And so, you know, we have to work that hard and that long and it's everybody, you know, everybody on the team from the office, the production team is out there and getting stuff done, doing whatever they can to help. And so 
it fluctuates for sure on certain different times of of sales and things like that and where you're at with uh, your yearly sales cycle and stuff for how flat or structured it, it really gets, I would say. But we're, we're fairly fluid in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, I mean, with your management team, then the layer that's between you and then the people who are doing a lot of the work, how do you feel your communication is with them? Like, what are you doing to communicate values and expectations through those managers just so that the culture sustained at that lower level even? We don't have a ton of like structured, I would say like team building type things, but what we try to do is have, you know, all hands meetings every month that kind of go through. We're a very transparent organization, I would say that, you know, we go through where we're at cash flow wise and, and product wise and, and customer wise and all that stuff. And then shine a light on what's coming down the pipeline. I think a lot of people on the lower levels, they don't get to see everything that we're doing in the office and and all the clients that are coming in and the conversations that are being had. And so, you know, if we get a little slow in the shop for a week or two, because just just how our sales cycle goes, some of them might get a little antsy is like, oh God, where's the work and all this other stuff. And we're over here freaking out because we have way too much coming in and all that. And so (laughs) it is hard to delineate or or, uh, communicate all that stuff to everyone in the company. And so we try to have group meetings as much as possible. You know, we do a all managers meeting every Tuesday, that kind of thing. And so we go through a lot of this stuff at a higher level so that they're able to disseminate that down to their reports and be able to see that. And then, you know, we, we also hang out after work and stuff like that. You know, there's a group of us that hang around and talk and stuff. So the overall goals and stuff, I think are kind of organic in terms of how they're communicated. But we also have SOPs and missions and values and that kind of stuff that we have hanging up and and things like that. So people are aware of you know where we're going and what the ultimate mission is. But a lot of that stuff really gets hammered down in the uh, all hands meetings that we do all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Great. So how do you feel as a leader? Like, how has it been for you? Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I don't see myself doing very many other things than starting businesses and running them. I have another company on the side that uh, we do uh, spray foam insulation as well. And so my wife runs that. And so, yeah, running businesses, like I just, I enjoy selling. I enjoy putting products out there. And I think if you do it right, it's definitely a, an improvement for the world. So I like all that. And I would get bored, I think, if I didn't have something to do every day. So yeah. So what are some of the things that I call it head trash, like the stuff that, you know, causes you to go, ah, am I doing enough? Do it? Could I, should I do more? Like that stuff that feels like, a, like the itchy shirt that you just, you know, you need to take care of, but it's just hard to figure out what to do. Do you mind sharing what yours might be? Oh man, there's a, there's a lot of those. I would say that the biggest thing is, you know, developing an action plan around where your mission is and your, what your vision is, because I think one of the things that, you know, people can get caught up in is, is like that, the BHAG, right? Big, hairy, audacious goals. And you look at those and you try to like take big bites out of it and you end up not getting anywhere. And I think it's a better approach to develop a system around how you're going to get there by, you know, either daily tasks of little bites here and there of how you can keep moving towards that goal every day instead of trying to have like all day meeting or something like that to have the managers in there. We, we solve a big problem that day. What we've tried to do is break it down a little bit further. We're actually doing this right now. So this is kind of a good conversation to have, but we're realigning roles and responsibilities. Like we've grown super fast. We've moved some people around in, in higher level management positions. We've let some people go. We've had some people leave. And so over the last month, I would say we've really been realigning with the team that we have today on getting back to how we're operating and what they're doing. And so with all of that, we uh, we use a system, OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. It's, you know, if you read any 
Silicon Valley mm-hmm. startup books, you know, any of those types of things. That's what they've always used. All the, all the big companies have always used OKRs. And that's kind of the type of mentality that we try to take is taking those big goals and breaking them down to, you know, a yearly goal, a quarterly goal. And then in the quarter, you know, what are you doing every day to get there so that, you know, month one, you're at a certain place, month two, you're at a certain place. And I think that as we're realigning and realigning our OKRs and our personnel and stuff to make sure everyone's in the right seat on the bus is that that's really, really developing how we're able to get through that itchy shirt, I would say, because Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that I'm looking at right now is, you know, is everyone working a full 40? Is are there people that have less hours and we could potentially put some more work onto them and take some from the people that are working 70 hours a week. And in modular construction, it's tough because you kind of go through these peaks and valleys where, you know, you've got a bunch of work that comes in and then there's a bunch of work that has to be done on the front side that's in the office to get through permitting and all that kind of stuff. And so you kind of go through this wave situation where you've got a lot of work and that slows down, a lot of work and that slows down. And, and we're really trying to take that out of play by changing some of the sales things that we do. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest itchy shirts that I have right now is like, mm-hmm. is making sure everyone is putting in all the time and not too much. Like we're not trying to burn people out by working 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week, that kind of thing. That, that just, you can only do that for so long. So that's definitely a big one. And then consistency in manufacturing. So taking out those waves so that we have longer term projects that continue to go. And then it's not so much work on the office side because it, we just continue to produce the same unit over and over and over again. And it doesn't take more of the office time. So that keeps the revenue going. So I would say those two things, efficiency of making sure everyone's in the right seat and realigning everyone to make sure they're they're working enough and not too much. And then also getting rid of the uh, ebbs and flows of the projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's challenging for sure. And that's just, if not, I mean, you can also get to a point where you're selling so much that it's a consistent 70 hour work week. It's not just ebbing and flowing. And then you're on path for total burnout. Right. Because there really is only so much that someone can sustain for a long time in terms of the stress without having some downtime. So with that in mind, like how are you? Like what are you doing for yourself? I like to go camping weekends off. We got two little boys. So yeah, they're uh two and four. And so yeah, spending time with them and my wife is definitely what we do to to relax, go to the woods and you know, go where go somewhere in the mountains where the cell phone doesn't reach the towers and yeah, shut it off for the weekend and that, that really helps out a lot. And then we also, we take off the week between Christmas and New Year's every year, as well as the week of the 4th of July. So, you know, we try to, you know, split the year in half a week at least and give people a, a week off where no one's working. So, you know, we don't have people calling and all that stuff. Cause you know, if we're in production, my phone's pretty much got to be on all the time, you know, in case we run into whatever. So that's where, you know, it is, it's definitely a challenge, you know, definitely wears on you for sure. But it's all, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world and I'll take it because I, this company, we've bootstrapped it. And so it's, it's pretty much everything. My whole existence is in this building and in this company. And so, you know, it is, it is everything and we'll continue to push on that and yeah, see if we can take some breaks here and there, but we do have an unlimited PTO policy. And I would say that our team is very good at preparing for a leave of absence So, you know, obviously in Colorado, there's a ton of stuff to do outside and all that. And a lot of our team likes to go enjoy mountains and and the outdoors of Colorado and and the West in general. And so we try to let let them do it. And I don't think I've ever said no to a vacation request. And it's just, you know, get everything prepared, put it in a big email of all the things that could happen or what you might have to be responsible for to make sure all the people that are covering for you know, know who to talk to and have the contacts and all that type of stuff. And then, yeah, go shut your phone off and enjoy yourself. That's good. Yeah, that's one of the pitfalls we see of unlimited PTO is that people don't take it. 
So there's a couple of things that either happen is you have the occasional person who just totally takes advantage of it, which is a totally different issue, or you have people who won't take, don't do it at all. And then they really burn out. It's so it's a good thing that you're seeing people actually taking it. That's a very positive thing. And it's from probably the way you put the structure together and you also modeling it, right? You're stepping away, which is good. So it's just something to keep in mind, like down the road, if you see someone not taking any of their PTO, you got to give them a little kick in the pants. Like yeah. you need to go on vacation. <laughs> totally. totally. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's excellent. So what's next for you guys? Like what does the next two to three years look like? Well, we do have a lot of initiatives in play and uh, there is a very large, we call it contract manufacturing. So it's, you know, multiple units over and over again, and it'll actually be hopefully about a two year project of you know, four to eight units a week type of thing. That's the one we've been looking for to kind of take out those ebbs and flows. So that's coming up Q1 of this coming year. Congratulations. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of the bigger ones that we've been working on for, you know, a year or more are starting to finally come through. So there's a few larger developments that are going to be taking place in Denver, which is super exciting. We haven't built big things in Denver so much yet. They've been in other places and stuff. So it's great to see that we have some clients here where we're going to be putting in some pretty cool installations that'll be very active and populous over the next couple of years because they're in high traffic areas and stuff. So bringing stuff to the hometown is awesome. And then we also are looking at a potential expansion to the East Coast somewhere. So we've got the West pretty much covered, but we are you know, losing some deals or getting into competitive deals on the East Coast, just due to the transportation factor of how expensive diesel fuel is right now and, and the cost of all getting everything to the other side of the country, you know, you just to buy from Roxbox, you could be adding a, you know, five to $30,000 shipping bill if you're on the East Coast. And so, you know, that puts us out of some competition some in certain areas, depending on what the build is. So mm-hmm. that's a big one we're doing. Yeah. Just really diving a little bit more deep into the company itself and developing more training and stuff and getting prepared for the next big expansion because we've sat at 25 employees for about eight, nine months. Yeah. Close to a year we've been at this level and that's definitely on purpose. We want to get our feet underneath us a little bit more. And, and like I said, you know, with the bootstrapped company, you can't make a lot of mistakes because if you do, you, you run out of money and then it's all game over. So I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I don't know. even have a loan from the bank. Like I'm just like, <laughs> or a line of credit even. I'm like, if I'm totally hundred percent bootstrapped as well. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> So yeah, that is uh, is an eye-opening thing too, is like if you know you do get slow and the cash does get a little low and you have to start laying people off and things like that, that's when it's not the funnest day to be the CEO type of thing. No. So you don't want to go to that day. So keeping being cautiously optimistic is kind of the role we're playing right now is like, yes, things are going well, we're growing, but we're going to try to keep us as lean as possible and have people dive deeper into their roles and, and process out more of the operations so that it's more automated. And we don't have to add more people into the situation so that our communication can get significantly better throughout the ranks. And then once we have that foundation developed a little bit better, people know exactly what they're responsible for, exactly what they're supposed to be doing all the time. Then I think we can potentially hit another growth mode here, even higher and, and you know, potentially adding more people over the next eight to 18 months, if you will, as we expand potentially to the East Coast. So yeah. that's the next. That's great. Excellent. Well, gosh, Anthony, it's so good to chat with you and we wish you the best in this journey for sure. And I really, really appreciate the thoughtful approach that you're taking to this and and to your culture as well. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. No, thank you very much, Kendra. Appreciate it. All right. Well, Anthony House with RocksBoxContainers.com. Go visit him. Go check out what they're doing. It's probably not something you'll have in your backyard, but it's definitely something you may see in your local festival, no doubt. So, all right. Thanks so much. 
Thanks, Kendra. Thank you for joining this exciting episode. We hope this discussion brings you closer to a better, healthier, and more rewarding workplace everyone deserves to be a part of. If you want more content like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at turningthecornerllc.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to share this with your friends in the corporate world. And together, let's make this space a hub of growth and job satisfaction. If everyone loves where they are, they can always give their best without regrets. That's all for now. See you on the next one.